This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Welcome to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. Listeners, thank you for your questions, and we've got a really good one here for today, Michael. What happens as soon as we die? What do you think? Well, that's... Uh, that's is there an opinion or is there... There's only one right answer and it's mine. Right. And so this is... I mean, I just well, want to know that you're... You that know, I'm tracking with you? Okay. Yeah, sure. That we're mostly, tracking with yeah. you. All right. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Paul, Paul is the one that I always go to when I get this question because Paul says to be absent with the body, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But he also talks about about a judgment seat of Christ. And he says in both Romans 14 and in 2 Corinthians 5 that we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and in the 2 Corinthians passage and give an account. So there is an accounting that has to take place uh, for for the believer. And whether you're a believer or non-believer, there is an accounting for what happens and what we've done here on earth in this body. So that's what I say. So you you would agree that when you die, you go to the presence of God and you are cognitively aware of being in his presence? I would say yes. And then for whether a person is, has, again, past tense, have they already, have they trusted Christ Mm -hmm. to forgive their sins? Ah, good distinction. Yeah. Yeah. Or have they not trusted Christ? Yep. So if they've trusted Christ, they die, mm-hmm. and they're in the presence of God. Okay. Yes. And that, like, let's, to be absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord, this day you'll be with me in paradise, all yes, day, et cetera, yes. et cetera, et cetera. And that's for the believer, for, for the, the believer. one that has trusted Christ. Where does the unbeliever go? Well, to be absent from their body means to be in torment. And we can go to passages like the rich man and Lazarus and mm-hmm. and. That was, I, I think that was a story that Jesus taught, which had elements, not elements, truth mm. in this story that— Like it wasn't a true story, but it was a it, parable, if you will, yes, that reflected it, it some true realities. It may not be an, of what did happen, but it would it is what will happen and mm. what does happen uh, in the lives of both— those who have trusted Christ and those who have not trusted Christ. Or in rich man Lazarus, you know, if we want to be technical, trusting in the Messiah, God's mm-hmm. promise, or not trusting in God's promised Messiah. Yep. Why do you why do you think soul sleep like took off as an idea? Well, I th- I think this whole idea of, you know, w- human beings don't want to be faced with their own humanity. They don't want to be faced with one day I have to give an account. And if I can, if I can believe in something called soul sleep or annihilation, where hey, this life is all there is, and when we die, there, there's no, there's no afterlife, and there's no, there's no one to that I have to face and give an account for for what I've done or not done here on earth. I, I think there is, there is a sense of uh, a freedom that I can do whatever I want to do, and I don't want, I don't like authority over my life, and so I don't, I, I'm going to just take the the stands that, you know. This life is all there is. Mm. But the Bible is very clear. No, there there is an accounting that we all have to give. And the first accounting when we die is, have you trusted Christ or have you not trusted Christ? Mm. And the Seventh-day Adventists, they're the ones who 
really defended this concept of soul sure. sleep, and and I've never really quite understood what they've had to gain by it, other than I think sometimes fringe groups take these weird doctrines and go to strange places to give them like some kind of unique identity and something to fight yeah. about, you know. But yeah. um, it's just so not even biblical. But now here's here's the second part of it, though. Like there is this regular misnomer. That when you die, you go to heaven and you're going to be there forever. And so whatever you – whatever temporary holding place that you have, whether it's a temporary hell or a temporary heaven, it's not the permanent place. No, there will, there will be a final resting place or standing place, whatever. Yeah. Well, a double resurrection meaning it's a physical place, double meaning for both Christians and non-Christians. Correct. One to everlasting torment and the other towards love, everlasting Joy. Mm-hmm. Um, one in the presence of God, the other away from the presence of God. But the interesting thing is that they're physical. So wherever you do go, it's temporary. And to me, what you just said there, that is the piece that I, I, I know we often focus on hell as a place of fire and brimstone torment. But what you just said there a minute ago, just a second ago. Was it genius or terrible? It was genius. Okay, cool. It was genius. I, I'm giving you credit here. <laughs> it is hell is the place where even though God is omnipresent— all places at the same time. Yeah. His love is absent mm. from hell. You don't have your mind blown? That, to me, is mind-blowing. So, Jonathan Edwards, old pastor. <laughs> yeah. Dead. Um, I actually a... stood in his pulpit. No way. Yes. Was it big? No. And it, the church that he preached in in New England, incredible experience. I mean, it was like, man, I'm on holy ground here. This yeah. was this was cool. The perk of not having a pulpit is that anybody can say, I stepped into Michael's pulpit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All you gotta do is step on this platform. Just step on the platform. You're there. Anywhere you want. Here you are. That's my pulpit. Um, <laughs> but uh, so he, I'll never forget reading this little book he wrote and it was on the book of Isaiah and his posit, which I actually really agree with, was that hell is on the new earth oh, because yeah. Uh, two reasons. Number one is logical. The other is biblical. He would, he would say that there is a resurrection. Uh, there's a double resurrection. And mm-hmm. they're going to have to go someplace. And wherever they go is going to be as physical as we go. And, sure. And so at the end of Isaiah actually talks about the new heaven and the new earth. Very end of it. And the absolute last verses of Isaiah is uh, the fire will not die. You know, worm will not die. Fire will not be quenched. Yeah. Jesus takes his primary imagery from the end of Isaiah and his primary imagery of hell is actually describing a place on the new earth um, and it, at the end of Isaiah. And the idea at the end of Isaiah is that there's going to be a recreation. And mm. the people who have been resurrected in righteousness are going to, quote, be able to, quote, look upon the dead bodies of those who were slain where their fire will not be quenched and their worm will not die. Uh, it's very interesting how the book of Isaiah portrays the new heaven and the new earth. And uh, then Jonathan Edwards went into this, uh, like, di- this, this, this part of it where he answered the question, okay, how is it, if this is true, if Isaiah mm-hmm. tells us the story of the new heaven and the new earth, this is the vocabulary Jesus verbatim uses sure. to talk about hell. It's yeah. a physical resurrected place on a new earth. He says, how is it possible that believers— uh, where sin is taken away from us, we'll be able to look upon plausibly those we love and not weep. And yeah. then, then he goes back to Revelation yeah. and says there will be no weeping, no crying, etc. Right. But Isaiah says that the righteous will look down on them and see them and that mm-hmm. we'll be aware of them. And and it's it's a really dark – I understand I'm, I'm flippantly speaking of very – 
heavy issues, sure. you know, but, but it, it is sometimes it is deep to think about that. It is sometimes, you know, like because of the weight of it, you just have to look at it intellectually and then you have to look at it emotionally. But, um, when we talk about a d- double resurrection, the implications are huge for yeah. a new earth. And oftentimes Christian theology doesn't go there because it's so heavy emotionally or it doesn't, f- it almost feels wrong or we don't have a, we don't have a category of, of contrasting that imagery with who we are today. And and again, the chasm between our new bodies yeah. is going to be so different than anything we know. Just, just for clarity's sake, I know you and I know what you mean by double resurrection. Mm-hmm. You're not saying that one person gets resurrected twice. You're talking about there's a resurrection for life and there's a resurrection for death. Yep. Everybody gets resurrected. Everybody gets resurrected. Once. Either Yes, one time. And the double meaning there, a lot of times Christians think of it as just Christians get a new body. No. And then no. non-Christians go to this ethereal, uh, spiritual place called hell forever. Hell is is literally, in Christian theology, a physical location. Yes, it is a real where, place. Yeah, where where they must be resurrected to go there. Um, Daniel talks about a double resurrection. New Testament talks yep. about it. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's not like a, a random doctrine. It's just right. one that's not talked about. Yeah. Because it is... Uh, emotional mm-hmm. and um, and it's not as much fun. To and as Christians, about. we want to focus on uh, the First Corinthians fifteen, where the Christian gets a resurrected Correct. body, but we forget. No, wait, wait a minute. The non-Christian gets a resurrected body yep. too. And, and even in First in, in Corinthians fifteen, the du- double resurrection is implied all throughout. All the yes. theology of yes, resurrection is. is is there a resurrection of the living and the dead. It doesn't even parse like like Christians, non-Christians. You know, no. but, I mean, it does in that passage deal with both, but. It's a, uh, and it's it is interesting. I've I've often wrestled with Easter sermons ever dabbling in that context mm, because okay. at Easter you only ever really hear one side of the story, right? But the whole idea of the hope of resurrection it's interesting because the hope of resurrection isn't just for our new bodies, but it's also the the hope of vindication. So in Revelation, yes. yeah. Five, I believe they're saying, "How long, Lord, till you vindicate our yeah. blood?" Yeah. What they're asking is, when will you come back? Resurrect from them from the dead and put them in a physical hell. That's yeah. what they're yeah. actually asking for. Yeah, they're asking for vindication. They, once they're out of this sinful body and they're able to see things from God's perspective, they're like, "Like you have to do this. This mm-hmm. is this is required." Again, it. I don't think they probably could have said that on this side of heaven. They would sure. have had to have been released from the bondage of sin. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, that's that's a. Honestly, I forgot the question we were originally answering. <laughs> what happens so, as soon as we die? <laughs> there we go. Here we go. Depends who you are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, thanks, listeners, for joining us today. Please come back next time when we answer another one of your questions, which will be, if I am a Christian, can I cast demons away from myself in Jesus' name? <laughs>